G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. One of the most recognisable passages of the Old Testament is in the narrative around God's delivery of the Ten Commandments to Moses and to the Israelites. Let's give our attention to the Ten Commandments with Bible teacher Gary Miller. Gary Miller is principal at the Queensland Theological College in Spring Hill in Brisbane. He's also co-founder and head of the Gospel Coalition Australia. Gary, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's great to be back with you. Gary, Uh, Let me just assume that you're a bit of an expert on the Ten Commandments here because you're about to release a commentary on the book of Deuteronomy. And while we understand the Ten Commandments given to Moses in the book of Exodus, they're also part of the law of Israel delivered during Deuteronomy as well. So Ten Commandments, they're huge, aren't they? Oh, they they certainly are. And I think... Uh, particularly the way in which Moses handles them in Deuteronomy, it actually opens up a whole new vista, a whole new way of looking at them and what God gives to his people and therefore to us to set us up to flourish, to live well with him. It's almost as though the character of Israel is to reflect the character of God that comes in those Ten Commandments. Absolutely. There, there is a, a key passage in, in Deuteronomy 4, which is the chapter before where Moses repeats the Ten Commandments. And in Deuteronomy 4, 5 to 8, M- Moses really sets up the rest of the book and he says, what, what other nation is there like us that, that has a, a set of laws, a way of living um, like Israel? And he actually then imagines the day when the other nations are looking on saying, Wow, <laughs> you know, we, we want to be like that. Now, how does that unfold? Well, that's where Moses actually repeats the Ten Commandments from Exodus 20, but then uses the Ten Commandments as a template to give just about the most expansive, extensive picture of a beautiful life with God that you'll find um, in the Old Testament. And And I think... Yeah, one of the things that, that the the Ten Commandments, in a sense, are like the, the index page. They're like almost a post-it note on which God sort of sketches out this life. And then in Deuteronomy, Moses, starting from that kind of post-it note or that contents page, then goes on actually for all of chapters 12 to 26 to flesh this out and to show that uh, being God's covenant people touches every aspect of life, every situation we could ever envisage, and actually a pile of situations we couldn't envisage uh, that are unexpected and a bit quirky. And these commandments given at the very beginning of the formation of a nation, the timing is impeccable, isn't it? Because all of a sudden, this is to be a different people. So the people of God in Israel would look completely different to the Egyptians. 
Oh, yes. And and the Canaanites about into whose land they were about to go. But one of the things I think we sometimes forget about these chapters is that they are actually given in real time. So that, you know, you've got a bunch of escaped slaves who are really just becoming a nation. In, in And at Mount Sinai in Exodus 20, God speaks these 10 words, as they're actually called in Hebrew, these 10 commands, and said, look, here's what it's going to be like. And then 40 years later, which should really only be in a couple of weeks later, but it was 40 years later, they're going into a new land where it's going to be very different from wandering through the desert, kind of carrying their tent around and living off manna. Suddenly, life's going to be easy and comfortable and rich as they live in this fertile place, not the desert. And God very graciously says, okay, you're going to need, you're going to need the full version, you know, the expanded version of this description of life with me if you're going to be the people that I want you to be, a people that, well, Isaiah describes as a light to the nations, is you're going to show off this beautiful life so that people can see what a great God I am. I sometimes get the feeling that people think of the Ten Commandments as more personal and somehow rather a restrictive set of legalisms that uh, we need to somehow rebel against and reject but their deeper purpose, as you're describing, is about showing off a flourishing nation. Uh, these are the sorts of things that make people flourish, not only individually, but uh, through communities and to a whole nation. That's right. I, I think it is one of the great mistakes we make to, to reduce um, the Ten Commandments or any of the Old Testament laws to just being essentially a large tick list. And it's interesting that um, when Jesus uh, shows up, and uh, we see this particularly in Matthew's gospel, what Jesus is running into with the Pharisees is exactly that mindset. I think it's fascinating in Matthew 5, Jesus says, you know, that, that he has come to fulfill the law, which really means to fill it out, to embody it, to show what it's all about. And then he makes that astonishing statement, which I've got to say, you puzzled me for years. He says, your, your righteousness has to exceed that of scribes and the Pharisees. And sometimes you're not quite sure what to do with that. But I think essentially what Jesus is saying is that the mistake the Pharisees are making is minimizing the life that God calls us to rather than maximizing it. And he then goes on, you know, through the Sermon on the Mount to say again and again, you've heard it said, do this. But I tell you, and every time he says, I tell you, he says, I want you to do something bigger and more. You know, so you're trying to work out technically what is adultery and what isn't. And Jesus says, no, I don't even want you to look at a woman lustfully. You know, I want you to live this expansive, fulsome life where he is the Lord of all. Where life is bigger and better. You know, it's what he calls in John's gospel, you know, life to the full. And that, that journey, if you like, that reaches its fulfillment in Jesus coming is to give us that life, starts with the initial sketch of that in, in Exodus 20 and the Ten, in the Ten Commandments. So it, it's a much bigger, brighter, richer picture than often we give a credit for. So the Ten Commandments is just the beginning. You describe it as a 
post-it note uh, for what is bigger that is more rich and begins to unfold for the people of Israel. Let's go through very quickly uh, these commandments because, uh, you know, when people break these down, they say the first four relate to our relationship to God. So you've got, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, You shall not worship idols or make graven images. Uh, you shall not yep. take the Lord's name in vain, and you shall yep. keep the Sabbath holy. Uh, four commandments at the start. Any quick thought on those? Oh, it's a, yeah, especially on three and four, because um, they they don't misuse take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It's interesting. The, the word actually means bear the name of the Lord your God in vain. And I think the primary intention of that, like it's don't, you have now got God's name written all over you as a nation. Now make sure, now that you're carrying that name, that you live in a way which actually reflects um, the God who has called you and rescued you. You know, and similarly with the, the, the key, one of the key elements of the Sabbath uh, for Israel was that they were to take a national day off in a way that nobody else did so that they would show the nations round about just how good it was living with this God. So even in those first four commandments, it is a responsibility to live for and with the great God who loves us. Um, you know, that, that it's, a, it's a big, expansive, positive vision uh, rather than being a burdensome thing. And then that then flows out into the you know, commandments kind of five to ten, which deal primarily with what it means if you're if you belong to the people of God. What does it look like in daily relationships to live as this rescued people, this people you know called to show His righteousness to the world? Let's go through some of those uh, for a quick comment. So the fifth commandment about honouring your mother and father. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all, I've got three daughters. I'm all for this one. It's my favorite command. <laughs> but I think I think this is based on the fact that God has called us. He is our father. God in Exodus repeatedly calls Israel his son. And that our relationship to our within our families should actually be a mirror of our relationship with God himself. Because if we say we honor God as our father then we need to honour those whom God has placed in authority over us. And initially, the obvious example of that is actually our own natural father and mother. Family life is to be covenantal like the, the, like the life of the nation. Yeah. Some say it looks different when you think of that as a parent than if you were a child. <laughs> uh, say, some of these others, uh, thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. Those all have major ramifications, not only for what happens within our own personal lives, the life of our community, but also in the life of a nation where we don't want uh, people able to tell lies in court or steal the possessions of one another or even that there's a protection upon uh, the families and the marriages that will be protecting children as they grow up. Wonderful, wonderful wisdom in those commands. Yes, but they're all predicated on the fact that all life belongs to God, that God is the God is the Lord of heaven and earth. And, and it is interesting that, that just now, as certainly here in Australia, you know, that, that, that the, the fabric of our nation 
was actually built on God being the ultimate authority, as that starts to unravel, we start seeing confusion and contradiction and people not really knowing how to negotiate the, the moral maze that is life today, because actually it, it, there is nothing at the bottom or at the top, if you prefer. There is no ultimate reference point, because when we shut God out of the equation, it really is just you know, the person who shouts loudest gets their way. So I think, you know, Australia is not unique in this, but, but as, as countries, especially in the English-speaking world, sort of drift away from essentially the Christian foundations of our legislation and national practice, it's not that people were followers of the Lord Jesus, but as the Christian foundations of our society begin to unravel, life gets very complicated and very messy. And I think we need, we need to pray that people will will actually see the chaos that's unfolding in front of us. We need a transcendent God. Otherwise, even things like a rule of law make no sense. Hey, there's one more command. Some say this is the first one you break if you're going to break the rest of them. Thou shalt not covet. Uh, Any thoughts on that last command? Uh, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think it was you know Martin Luther said that it was you you couldn't break you can't break any of the commands or commands two to ten until you've broken the first one. <laughs> you know, and I think that that's that just shows here because what why would we covet? We we will only covet when we see something and in the instant decide that that it it can deliver where God can't. That it is more precious than God. So even the coveting, it can't be it can't be disconnected from recognizing how good and generous and kind and beautiful our God is. And I think when we realize that, it's like okay, coveting, yeah, you know, it's like it's idolatry essentially. That it may not it may not be kind of uh, it may not be answerable for it in the courts, but it does give away that you've already stepped away from treasuring God above all things in the Lord Jesus Christ. Gary Miller, there'll be some listeners who'll want to get their hands on that new commentary when it is released uh, in the book of Deuteronomy uh, coming up very soon and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about that at the time of the release. Gary Miller is principal at the Queensland Theological College in Spring Hill in Brisbane. He's also co-founder and head of the Gospel Coalition Australia. To connect with Gary Miller, Go to the website for the Queensland Theological College, qtc.edu.au. You'll find that website at qtc.edu.au. Gary Miller, thanks so much for sharing your insights with us today on 2020. Thanks so much, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.